The world of ministry to teenagers can offer a full range of emotion, interesting challenges, rewarding victories, and discouraging difficulty. It is important to remember that the work we do with students is vital. It is good to be reminded that what you do matters and is appreciated. We hope that the time you spend here will encourage you and equip you to hit the mark in life and ministry. Welcome to the Scopehost Podcast, impacting youth ministry in Oklahoma and beyond. Hello and welcome to the Scopehost Podcast. My name is Todd Sanders and I'm in studio with Logan Walter. Logan Walter. Logan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm doing really well. Um, you're here at Falls Creek with us for the second week of this summer. Yes, sir. And um, thank you for taking time to sit down with us. It's always good to have a conversation with you. And I will say, always good to have green room conversations. That's right. Here at Falls Creek. <laughs> They're always entertaining. So um, we're here today, and we're going to get to the topic here in just a minute. But why don't you just fill us in? How are things going personally? Where are you? A lot of our listeners are familiar with you. You've been at Falls Creek with us like since 1985, uh, every year. <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, But, I mean, since 2009, really, uh, almost every year. So um, a large base of our Oklahoma churches and leaders are familiar with you and your ministry. So just kind of fill us in, bring us up to speed. Well, I will say the first time I attended Falls Creek, I want to make this clear, was 1990. As a six-year-old, my dad was leading worship. And uh, they had Carmen's The Champion, The Champion by Carmen, which is a boxing match between Jesus and Satan. Yes. And at that stage in my sanctification, I thought that the boxing match was real. And so I thought that Jesus was fighting Satan. So relieved when Jesus won that fight. Yes. Well, as as a kid would be. Yes. And then 19 years later, yes, I was on stage leading here. Gotcha. And now it's been uh, nine or 10 summers. And so... Uh, at the time when I started, I was leading worship in a band called Dutton, and an, I was in a church based in Dallas. Uh, now my band is just called Logan Walter Band, and I'm a worship leader on staff at the Austin Stone. I'm at the North Campus. Even since I've been leading with that band here, I've been at our East Campus, Downtown Campus, North Campus, and so I am now at our North Campus, and I have two kids. A son, Simon, is 23 months old and highly energetic. And my son, Clark, is nine months old, and he's the golden retriever. He wants to be with you and to make eye contact and to smile at you. And so my wife, Which Maddie— Which is always refreshing. Yeah, always refreshing. And then uh, my wife, Maddie, is beautiful and my hero, and she is parenting those children along with our in-laws in Yukon, Oklahoma, while I'm here. So I'm while grateful for them. And yeah. doing worship. That's right. She is doing the work yes. in Yukon. So. Um, yeah, your kids are just, they're great. We love to live vicariously through Instagram, pictures and videos of your kids. You do. I feel like most people don't care about my kids, no, but I do. you, Todd cares. I do. I, I care. Appreciate. My kids are grown. <laughs> um, you know, they don't let us video them. Yeah. Uh, when your kids are young, they don't have a choice. Yeah. And so you can do those things. So thank you for posting videos of your kids. My pleasure, literally. <laughs> so we're here today and um, we are talking about first of all what's your favorite worship song my favorite personal worship song favorite is you don't have to play it even it, well i don't have a guitar here well i mean but, you don't even have to like play it on a regular basis what what would okay. say all-time favorite worship song my all-time favorite worship song is jesus paid it all and the reason that's my favorite is because it's scriptural it's gospel centered it's singable and it unites generations so i don't want to pick something that's uh, you know, my grandmother could sing that song, and my kids will be singing that song someday. And as a worship leader, that's what I want. The Bible says in the Psalms, 
one generation will commend your works to another. And that song allows us to do that in the same room, all singing together. So I it's love like, it. Come on, Grandma. Yeah. You are alive in us. <laughs> you know you like this Hillsong Young and Free, Grandma. <laughs> Upscale mall <laughs> remix. <laughs> you know you like it, Grandma. Come on. Uh, good. Okay, that's a good word. I like that. So um, I might just throw in random questions while we're right. talking if I think of them. But um, So we're talking today about worshiping through the spiritual disciplines. And um, I think we've addressed this uh, in some ways before, always great to come back. And I think it's, it's one of those things that literally we've lost the art of is the life of discipline. We've substituted discipleship uh, for discipline. And so it's content versus this real uh, life approach to being a disciplined follower of Jesus. So as we think about this, uh, some questions we're going to talk about. First of all, what are the disciplines? As we begin this uh, discussion, uh, we're going to take a little break here for our listeners to come back, and that's going to be the leading question. So as you're out there listening, think about this in your mind, set this, what are the spiritual disciplines? We'll be right back here on the Scopus Podcast. And we're back in the second segment, the Scopos Podcast, in studio with Logan Walter. And we're talking about worshiping through the spiritual disciplines. And we asked you to think about this. What are the spiritual disciplines? Logan, why don't you just, let's just kind of get into some thought about spiritual disciplines. Um, outline some of that for us here as we get into the segment. So the best text summary in the Bible that I can find, and I owe a lot of this to Don Whitney, who wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He points out that 1 Timothy 4.7 says this, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So the purpose of discipline as a believer is godliness. The reason that we discipline ourselves is to look more like Jesus. So we don't just discipline our finances so that we can be rich. It's fine to be disciplined financially, especially for giving to the kingdom, But as believers, we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We want to be more like Jesus. And I've heard a lot of definitions. I think they can be synthesized down to this. A spiritual discipline, a biblical spiritual discipline, is any practice that is mentioned in the Bible as a means for godliness. So we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness If it's going to be a biblical spiritual discipline, then it needs to be in the Bible. So hiking, gardening, cooking, these are all great, but they're not mentioned in the Bible as a means for godliness. So you can become more godly as you hike if you pray while you hike, because prayer is one of the means that we are given in the Bible for godliness. So prayer is a spiritual discipline because it's mentioned in the Bible as a means for godliness. And I think a lot of times we as believers tend to think of discipline as something that is connected to personality. So at my church, we talk a lot about this personality test called Your Unique Design. It's the one they use for the International Space Station, make sure that astronauts are going to get along well. And it talks about being a persister, achiever, harmonizer, energizer, catalyzer, dreamer, those kind of words. And so somebody who is an energizer and a dreamer, they might think, I'm just not disciplined. That's not my personality. You know, I'm the life of the party, you know, and somebody who's an achiever, oh, well, that person will be disciplined. 
Or if you think about the Myers-Briggs, you know, this INTJ, people who are thinkers and judgers, those are the disciplined people. And then if you're a feeler, perceiver, oh no, you're the, you're the life of the party and, and maybe your life isn't as organized. And, and I do think that personality is connected to how we worship God through the disciplines. But the Bible says we're equipped for every good work. God has equipped us for every good work. So it doesn't matter what our personality is, how he has designed us. He has commanded us in the Bible to practice prayer, to practice being in the word, to practice fasting, all these means for godliness he has given us. And so I believe it's not personality that is keeping us from practicing the disciplines. Oftentimes it's purpose, not having a direction, getting down on our knees to pray and not knowing what to do or opening the Bible and not really having any direction for being in the Bible. We need a direction for our discipline. And an example I like to give is when I was a kid, my parents sent me to piano lessons and I didn't want to be there. I wanted nothing to do with it. My piano teacher looked like Miss Frizzle from Magic School Bus, so that got me pumped because it was my favorite show. Uh, But I soon realized that taking piano lessons from Miss Frizzle was not as fun as watching the cartoon. I didn't know what I was doing there. I had no purpose. I didn't want to learn the piano. I was there because my parents wanted me to be there. And so eventually that fizzled out, right? No pun intended. Three years later. Frizzled out. uh, Frizzled out. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Three years later, I'm at children's camp and uh, I'm in sixth grade. And I have my eye on a fifth grader, okay, a a younger lady. And um, I didn't talk to her. I didn't even look at her, but I loved her, okay? Mm. And so I went home, and my grandmother had bought me this used classical guitar. And I didn't know how to play it. I knew one chord. I knew an E chord. And so I slid that chord around, and I wrote a dark, brooding song of longing for my camp crush. Can you still play that song? Probably not. Oh, man. I, I was still hoping know how for to, some, some audio gold. I still know how to play podcast. the E chord, so I could probably figure it out. But I, that was my purpose. I, I all of a sudden wanted to play an instrument. I wanted to get better at this instrument. I wanted to learn how to write a song. I wanted to sing better because I wanted to win the affections of my camp crush. Now, she moved 15 miles away, so that was the end of that. I had no car, no way of getting yeah. it. But then my, my seventh grade Sunday school class needed a worship leader, somebody who could sing... Jesus is a rock and, and he rolls my e blues chord. away. Yeah, and yeah. play the E chord. And so I got up there and I played Jesus is a rock and he rolls my blues away. And I realized I want to learn better songs than that. And so then that became... Are, that's the question. Like, are there are better, there better song? songs? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's certainly debatable. <laughs> and so that became my direction. I had a purpose for getting better. It was night and day from just being forced to go to piano lessons by my parents. Man, I wanted to be better at my craft to be able to lead people in singing songs to Jesus. And in the same way, we need a purpose for reading the word. We need a purpose for fasting. We need a purpose for our disciplines. And according to 1 Timothy 4, 7, our purpose is looking at Jesus and saying, I want to look like that. It's to be godly. We discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. So that's why we do it. And what the disciplines are is any practice we're given in the Bible 
that can be used as a means for mm-hmm. godliness. So that uh, brings up an interesting point. Uh, so as you think about, because I, th- I think once we determine what the spiritual disciplines are and what they're for, what the, what the purpose is, well, and what the motivator is, then w- what are the disciplines? And so let's, let's just look at it this way. What is the most important discipline? That's a good question. This is, of course, debatable. Some people would say prayer because you're connecting personally to God. But I believe the most important discipline that's at the top of the disciplines pyramid is time in the Word. And those who would say prayer, I would say this, that there are millions of Muslims praying. And many of them are praying more often and more passionately than we are as Christians. And it should break our heart that they're praying their way straight to separation from God because they're not praying according to the word. And so we have to be in the word to know the God to whom we're praying, to know how to pray, to know how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. That fuels our prayer. Uh, I heard Don Whitney say one time that we have a problem with the spiritual discipline of time in the word and we have a problem with the spiritual discipline of prayer and that problem is that we're missing something in the middle so if we have the word over here on our left and we have prayer over here on our right we're missing something in the middle and that missing link is meditation meditating on God's word our problem with the word is we'll get up we'll read it and then we forget what we read by two o'clock yeah we divorce our action from it right And then our problem with prayer is that oftentimes we find ourselves praying the same things over and over again, not knowing what to pray. Our prayer life becomes dull. And so that missing link that's going to help with both things is to not just read the word, but to meditate on it, to chew on it. If we were to stop down and meditate, then we wouldn't forget what we read by two o'clock in the afternoon. And if we were to really meditate on the word, that would inform our prayers. We would never run out of things to pray because we are supposed to pray the Bible. We're supposed to pray scriptural principles. We're supposed to pray uh, like the Psalms and like Paul prayed and like Jesus prayed. And so we need to stop down and chew on the word. My favorite illustration uh, comes from a pastor in Maryland uh, named Eugene Peterson. A lot of people know him for the message. Uh, which kind of got a bad rep, but he was a faithful pastor in Maryland for 30 years. And in one of his sermons, he talked about a dog that he would take out to his ranch in Montana. And he said, occasionally that dog would go off in the woods and it would bring back a bone and it would parade that bone in front of its owners, so proud of the bone. But then it would go and it would chew on that bone. And as it would chew, you could hear this low rumble or a growl. It was growling over that bone. And Peterson points out that the word growl in Isaiah 31.4, a lion growling over his prey, that verb growl is the same Hebrew word used in Psalm 1 to describe meditation. On God's law, I will meditate. And then in Isaiah, a lion growls over his prey. That's the same Hebrew word. And so you think about that dog chewing on that bone. That's what it means to meditate, to growl over your prey, to growl over the bone, to meditate on the bone. And every day that dog would come out, dig up the bone, 
And that bone was the one thing that was necessary in that dog's life until it had consumed that bone. And you think about Jesus telling Mary and Martha, there's one thing that is necessary, and that's to sit at my feet, and that's to hear from me. And so the one thing that is necessary for us in the disciplines is to chew on God's word. And from that, all the other disciplines flow. We learn about all the other disciplines and how to do them. And we're empowered to do them through our time in God's Word. Yeah, I think that's uh, great. I, I think that is one of the things that we miss sometimes is just this idea that, like in Colossians, when Paul writes, uh, that just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. Yeah. But you can't continue to live in that which we, you haven't learned. And, and so we learn according to the truth. And that frames our prayers and it guides us in who God is and His character and what He wants and His will. And so we're able to pray effectively according to righteousness, life, God's character and will revealed in the Word. And so yes. um, I, I, I would totally agree with you. I think that that's, uh, it, it's hard to remove that from the top of the pyramid if you're creating a list of important spiritual disciplines. So um, so having talked about the important spiritual, the most important maybe, mm-hmm. um, and again, other people may have different, different opinions. So uh, if you are uh, listening, maybe you would discuss that with your uh, teams, uh, your, your co-workers, um, your families, um, maybe you would discuss that with your leadership students. What is the most important spiritual discipline? So most important, what's the most neglected spiritual discipline? I've heard a lot of people agree on this, and I think we all know it in our hearts, the practice that we are neglecting the most, and that is fasting. So we might struggle with being in the Word. We might struggle with being in prayer. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are in the Word more often and we're praying more often than we are fasting and we're practicing those things more faithfully than we are practicing fasting and so uh, Jesus intends for fasting to be part of our walk he says in Matthew 6 when you fast do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting truly I tell you they have received their reward in full But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus says, when you fast. Now they feasted when they were with the bridegroom, but he says, when you fast, he intends for fasting to be a part of our walk. To the point, I heard this the other day, fasting is mentioned in the Bible 77 times. 77. Baptism is mentioned 75 times. And we name conventions and churches and denominations and everything after, I mean, I'm a Baptist, you know, I identify as a Baptist. I don't identify as a faster, you know. (laughs) And and every little town in uh, Texas and Oklahoma and throughout the South has a first Baptist church. Uh, I'd be interested to know, um, you know, can you imagine going through every town and seeing a first fasting church of Weatherford, you know, (laughs) Baptist fasting convention of, you know, I'd be interesting to see what God did through churches who took this so seriously uh, that it was on par with some of the other things that we take seriously in the Bible. That's not to say necessarily that fasting is more important than baptism. Um, That's not saying that. Um, But it is important, and we tend to neglect it. Um, Another thing that I think is interesting is that every time fasting is mentioned in the Bible, 
it's a fast from food. Sometimes it's a fast from food and water. But I was convicted to know that every time it's mentioned in the Bible, it's a fast from food. Because how often have I felt convicted to fast? My church was fasting or some friends were fasting. And the way I acted upon that conviction was by fasting from social media. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Paul says uh, that he doesn't want to be dominated by anything. He says, I will not be dominated by anything, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. So if you are dominated by Instagram and the approval you get on Instagram, if you are dominated by Netflix, then you need by all means to separate yourself from that, at least for a season, and say, God, I will not be dominated by this. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to watch something on Netflix or be on social media in any way, I want that to glorify you. I don't want to be dominated by it. So it's good to fast from those things, but I think it is also good to pray about whether or not the Holy Spirit is convicting us to actually fast from food for a season or for a day, uh, even to skip a couple meals. I, uh, I heard recently, so my, my keys player that plays with me at the Austin Stone, his name is Joseph Kim, and he was born in Korea, lived there until he was in fifth grade, and so he grew up speaking Korean born into a Christian home, and uh, Christianity is now rampant in Korea. But that was not the case even a hundred years ago. And here's a quote from a book called A Hunger for God, which is a book by John Piper about fasting. It says this, The first Protestant church, the first Protestant church was planted in Korea in 1884. One hundred years later, there were 30,000 churches. Okay, so from 1884 to the year of my birth in 1984, 30,000 churches were planted in Korea. That's an average of 300 new churches a year for 100 years. At the end of the 20th century, evangelicals comprise about 30% of the population. God has used many means to do this great work. One of them is a recovery not just of dynamic prayer, but of fasting prayer. For example, In the Overseas Missionary Society churches alone, more than 20,000 people have completed a 40-day fast, usually at one of their prayer houses in the mountains. So while this boom in Christianity has been happening in Korea, at least 20,000 Christians just in the OMS have completed a 40-day fast from food. And I told that to my keys player, Joseph, and he wasn't the least bit surprised. I was shocked by that. I didn't know anybody was doing a 40-day fast from food, you know. And 20,000 Korean Christians have done a 40-day fast. And he wasn't the least bit surprised. He said that it was very common for his church uh, to meet at 5 a.m. every day for a 40-day period of time. The entire church, his whole family would go, they meet at 5 a.m. to pray, and then they'd go to work. And so it just made sense to him that over the course of a century, 20,000 of those people would have fasted during that time. So that's not to say that God is calling us to do a 40-day fast in the mountains of Korea, but I was so encouraged by that and convicted about my room to grow in the area of fasting. One story that was a little more tangible and helpful for me was a story of a pastor who would simply fast through lunch once a week. 
And uh, he didn't necessarily even have to tell anybody. He just scheduled meetings, you know, during the noon hour when he would normally be at lunch. And he dedicated that time to the Lord. And then when he, he would get hungry in the afternoons, he would pray about whatever the purpose was for his fasting. So we have this broad general purpose of being godly, but we should also have a specific purpose each time we fast. So I am fasting for this week of False Creek, or I'm fasting for the sermon I'm preaching on Sunday, or I'm fasting for the salvation of my kids. And so that's been helpful for me just to, uh, just to skip a meal. And when I get hungry in the afternoon to say, this is that hunger pain reminds me to pray about the salvation of my kids or whatever it is that I feel convicted mm-hmm. to good. pray about. Yeah, and I, I think I would agree with that because even having been in the church for uh, quite some time and uh, even serving in the church, not one of those things that we often will have done. And most of the time focused around a certain event, like a 30-hour famine or you know yeah. something uh, related to that. But as, as an ongoing discipline, um, or maybe it's around New Year's, or maybe it's through the Easter season. You know, I mean, we, we find a number of ways to bring that emphasis up, but it's not something we're practicing on an ongoing basis. So um, interesting thought. So maybe something you would talk about with your teams, uh, with your students. Um, how can we work that discipline in to what we do? So um, here, here's a last question right here. You're a worship leader. That's how we know you, by and large, uh, in our experience with you over the years. Um, what about worshiping as a discipline? Singing, um, songwriting, music, uh, all that we would probably, I would say that we, most people in the church today would probably ascribe that activity to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, what about worship as a discipline? Uh, could you address that? Yes, and I think that if the most important discipline is the Word and the most neglected is fasting, I think that corporate worship is the most unacknowledged discipline, or it's the discipline that we don't think of as a discipline. So if I were to go up to most people in my generation, I think I'm an old millennial. So if I were to go up to most millennials and I were to say, hey, that experience you had at Passion, you know, or even that experience you had Thursday night at Falls Creek last night, that was discipline, you know? They would say, no way, man. That was the the movement of the Holy Spirit in my heart. There's no way that could be contained. We think of discipline as something that starts with us, and we know that worship starts with God. Worship starts with God's revelation, and we respond to that. And that's true, but that doesn't mean that God removes us from all responsibility when it comes to worship. It doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. Tim Keller gives this example of hoisting the sails on a ship. So if God revealing himself to us is the wind that moves worship, then our responsibility is simply to hoist the sails. We have to prepare the ship so that when the wind blows, the ship moves. Now, if that sailboat is ready and the sails are hoisted and the wind doesn't move, God doesn't reveal himself, we're going nowhere. It's pointless unless God is in the room, but he still calls us to prepare the ship. And so just real briefly, I'll say a few ways I think we can prepare the ship for corporate worship, practice corporate worship as a discipline. The first one is this, show up. We need to show up to church on Sunday or show up to that 
Thursday night prayer gathering or whatever it is that you feel convicted. But primarily, we're called to meet weekly as a body of believers. A friend of mine, a pastor in Houston, he says to his church, if you wake, if you wake up in town and healthy, you should come to church. That's the criteria for uh, following uh, Hebrews 10, which says um, that we should not neglect meeting together. Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. So the reason we have that passage is because some people were not going to church. They were not gathering with the body. And God wants to say, do not neglect that. Show up to church. Bring your family to church. Number two, we are called to sing. We are called to open our mouths and actually sing. It doesn't have to be perfect. The Bible doesn't say Sing with perfect pitch to the Lord. <laughs> and aren't we glad? <laughs> yes. It says, make a joyful noise to the word, uh, to, to the Lord. And I'm, I'm speaking to you uh, fellas out there who are reserved and uh, think that it's not manly to sing. It is manly to sing. King David, the giant slayer, was a psalmist. He was a man after the Lord's own heart. He was skillful at the harp. And he sang his heart out to the Lord. And we're commanded over 50 times in the Bible to sing. So God wants us to sing. Number three, posture yourself. This is something we don't talk about often. We're commanded to sing. We also see all sorts of postures throughout the Bible. We see kneeling. We see bowing. We see lifting of hands. Um, That doesn't mean that we're required to do those at all times. But if you can sit there and say, I have never physically postured myself before the Lord in any way in worship, I would ask you to pray about that. I would ask you to pray about kneeling in prayer, um, to, uh, to, to lift your hands and surrender if you're feeling a moment of surrender before the Lord in worship, to clap. Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all people. If you have never expressed yourself in any of those ways, pray about how God might be encouraging you to posture yourself in worship. Number four, engage emotionally. Okay, this might seem like ambiguous to engage emotionally. All I mean by that is God calls us to love him with all our heart. With all our heart. So if we're singing in Christ alone and we are thinking, ah yes, that's true. Ah yes, that's true. That's true. But our heart is not engaged. We're only halfway there to loving the Lord with all our heart and all our mind. But number five is think about God. A lot of times it's easy to in the hustle and bustle of getting our kids to kids ministry or showing up to to youth group and uh, playing the games that we're going to play, it's easy to have our minds elsewhere, even as we're singing biblical lyrics. It's easy to sit there on Sunday morning and be singing in Christ alone, but be thinking what's for lunch, right? And so we need to think about God. And if our heart is not engaged Ask yourself, have you spent time dwelling on God that week? Have you spent time in the Word getting to know Him? The more we know Him, the more likely it is that our hearts will be captured by Him. And number six, this is the last one, prepare for the next gathering. So Jesus worshiped corporately. He worshiped in the synagogue. He worshiped uh, with His disciples, but He also withdrew to be with the Father privately. 
And I believe the more time we spend in private worship, some of the things we've already talked about in this podcast, praying, in the word, fasting, the more time we spend privately worshiping, the more robust our corporate worship experiences will be. So those are just a few ways that we Mm. can hoist the sails. Yeah, I was thinking, I was looking up a quote here. I was paying attention, (laughs) uh, but I was looking up a quote here. It was someone quoting H.B. Charles, um, and H.B. says, uh, sound doctrine should produce a singing heart. And, And I think that that just shows the tie and the balance that all these disciplines have in relationship to all the others. It's hard to, to kind of excise one and say, well, that's the one I do, um, and not understand that all of them are uh, really intricately connected. And so I think that the truth of the gospel and the truth that we stand on leads us t- to cry out to sing. Um, and, and I think we do a lot of times live in a culture that uh, would say that you're not man if you don't sing or, you know, whatever. Um but I, I think that the psalmist even gives us uh, uh, the psalmist when when in Psalms it says uh, praise the Lord O my soul. Um, there is a commanding of the soul to offer praise and adoration and response to God, and so I, I think that that definitely is um, something we need to to pay attention to um, and to see that as a, as a discipline. But. Um, so let's take a quick break here and then come back. And I want you to uh, maybe for our listening audience, just recap some of those practical things really quickly on how we can walk in these disciplines and worship through these disciplines. We'll be back in just a second. Logan Walter here on the Scopos podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Scopos Podcast, segment three. I'm in studio with Logan Walter, Hey-o. who actually, Logan, I'm still wanting to hear your song you wrote to your camp crush in the sixth grade. Well, I'm married now, so that song is in the vault. Oh, okay. Not to ever come out again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> or your next EP, worship EP, can be all E chord. You yes. just play the E chord. Well, that's it's what like reminiscent I, of you know your. I early can sing days. of your love forever. You just yeah, kind of yeah. slide the E chord around. Slide the E chord around. Or Ale by Chris Tomlin and Ross King. That's just E chord, man. Yeah, yeah. Slide it around. You can do a lot with an E chord. All right. So let's do this uh, to wrap up. Just recap some of the practical things you mentioned a lot through there. And so if you're taking notes, paying attention that way, great. But we're going to recap these to make it kind of easy for you in a package where you can take those handles and walk forward in that in relationship to worshiping through spiritual disciplines. All right. So number one was the most important. It was time in the word. And we talked about how it's important not just to spend time in the word, but to chew on the word. And I'm going to give you one practical way to do that. And that is through scripture memory. So when I was a young worship leader, I was on stage at a camp, a guy named Afshin Ziafat was speaking and he was raised a Muslim And he said, how many of you students, if I was still a Muslim, could walk on stage and lead me to Christ with the scripture you have memorized? And I was picking on my guitar behind him thinking, Lord, please do not let him call on me, you know. And I realized in that moment my conviction, the Holy Spirit convicting me to hide his word in my heart. And so the way that I do that now and have been doing it for years and years and years is through an app The current app I use is called Scripture Typer. 
Scripture Typer. And it's just a Bible memory app you can be on every day. That's one of the main ways we meditate on God's Word. Number two, fasting. Try starting by skipping a meal. Find a day of the week that you can skip a meal. And when you get hungry in the afternoons, have a purpose for that hunger. Pray for something. So that's number two. Number three was worshiping. Uh, the corporate, uh, the spiritual discipline of corporate worship. And very practically, that's just show up, sing, posture yourself, engage emotionally, engage with your mind, and then prepare for the next gathering by worshiping God privately. So good. So good. And I think uh, if you're out there listening in whatever role you serve in, whether you're a lead pastor, you know, senior pastor, if you're a youth pastor, if you're over a, a middle school, Sunday school class, or a high school, small group, whatever role you play, girls, guys, ministry, um, you are placed in a position where you are to grow in the disciplines, and you're to lead students in that that as well, as, as you seek to see the Lord complete His work in them. And so, great encouragement today. Logan, thank you so much for your time. Um, if you guys have a question, uh, you can contact us through our website. Find Logan at... At Logan Walter. At Logan Walter on the socials. <laughs> and uh, so check that out and uh, maybe carry on this conversation. Uh, but take this back to your, your teams. Make, take this back to your students. And hopefully it will be a value-added conversation as you seek to walk forward in this area, worshiping through the spiritual disciplines. Thanks for tuning in to the Scopos podcast. We'll look forward to you being back the next time. And uh, we want to help you hit the mark in life and ministry. Next time on Scopos. Would solidify what we look for in a perfect teammate. Honor, humility, hustle, hospitality, and high capacity. All of those can be substantiated by Scripture. And those are five core values. Scopos and the Scopos podcast are ministries of the BGCO and made available through the generous gifts of Oklahoma Baptists to the cooperative program. Find out more about Oklahoma Youth Ministry at scopos.org. Thank you for listening to the Scopos Podcast. The Scopos Podcast is brought to you by the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, Scopos Youth Ministry Team, Sound Engineering by Glenna Birch, Original Music by J.J. Worthen, and VoiceOver by Kim Harrison.